What's up, everybody? You are listening to the Think Big Podcast. I'm your host, Ayelet Polanski, also known as your manifestation mentor. This podcast is designed to help you create a manifestation mindset by learning how to think big. You'll learn to use your thoughts to co-create your reality. Let's get into today's episode. Where do your stories come from? Write this line down, because if there's anything you take away from today's episode, it's this. The stories you tell yourself about yourself become your reality. I'll say that again. The stories you tell yourself about yourself become your reality. Think about it for a second. When you came into this world as a newborn, you perceived the world as a playground of possibility. Nothing was impossible. All you had to do was use your imagination and you were able to create kingdoms and cities and characters that came to life. I see with my toddler, we have a fireplace and when he enters into that fireplace, obviously it's not lit, he turns it into a fort and there's dragons and there's cars and there's, it it just becomes anything he wants it to be. Babies are a blank slate. They are living from that soul state of infinite possibility of connection to source energy. In fact, what is the most common costume that little girls wear for Purim or Halloween? It's a princess. And what about for boys? It's a superhero. Why Why do they dress like princesses and superheroes, three-year-olds, four-year-olds? It's not because that's what they want to be. I mean, maybe that's a part of it until they put on the costume. The moment they put on that dress, that gown, that superhero costume, they become that princess. They become that superhero. They embody it fully. There is not an iota of a doubt that that's who they are. Short story, I was at the beach one time and I saw a, must have been a four or five-year-old boy and he was with his family. They were all sitting on their on their uh, beach blanket and he tied a Superman towel around his neck so that it would drape down his back like a Superman cape. And he threw his arms in the air And he ran circles around his parents yelling at the top of his lungs, I'm Superman, I'm Superman. And as I'm witnessing this scene, I'm thinking to myself, like, please, God, don't take away this boy's perception of possibility, right? That that story that he has, that anything is possible, Let him have that story for the rest of his life. The problem is, that's not the reality we live in. We are a product of our conditioning. That little boy, the girl who put on the princess gown, the boy who dressed as a superhero, you, me. When we get a little bit older, chances are we all experience our first dose of self-doubt. 
It's that initial experience that broke the vision you had of the world and of what's possible. So let's start from the beginning here in order to understand what happened to the five-year-old me, to the five-year-old you that went from seeing the world as limitless potential to a bit scary, not so safe, overwhelming. We must first understand what the most powerful tool is that we human beings have, which is unique to human beings. That tool is speech. In fact, Jewish wisdom teaches us that speech is the connecting link between the physical and the spiritual world. Our speech can literally transform the world. The types of words you speak into existence literally create the reality that you are currently living. I'm sure you've all heard the words abracadabra if you've ever gone to a magic show. It (coughs) (coughs) abracadabra originates from the language Aramaic, which is old Hebrew. And it translates to, I create as I speak. Abarakadabara. Bara, creation. Dibur, speech. I create as I speak. And we first see Abracadabra in the five books of Moses in Bereshit, Genesis, where we learn about the creation of the world. God created the world through his speech. The idea that speech creates worlds applies for both good and for bad. You are using the law of attraction, whether you like it or not, whether you're thinking good or thinking not so good. So if you speak words of positivity out into your worlds, you will manifest positive outcomes. But if you speak words of negativity, you'll manifest negative outcomes, God forbid. So why is speech so powerful? It's because it's the tool we've been given to form our beliefs about ourselves, about others, and about the world, right? A lion doesn't have a perception, a cognition about the world besides predator, besides get food, survival, right? But he doesn't have self-doubt. A lion doesn't wake up thinking to himself, oh no, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not fast enough to catch prey today. No, a lion just does what he's meant to be doing. Right? It's human being that has been given this tool, speech, which is, which is really a magical tool because it's a transformational tool. And it's so powerful because it defines our existence. It defines our beliefs. It defines our identity. It defines the way we view ourselves and the world and what's possible. Sarah Yosef shares in her book titled, It's All in Your Mind, that uh, when the Torah states, and God blew into Adam's nostrils the soul of life, it is telling us that God embedded within Adam a divine soul, at which point man became a living being. 
the holy Jewish sage, Onkelos, teaches that man became a living being actually means he became a speaking spirit, meaning that God gave man the power of speech. The ability to speak derives from the spirit of God himself and is therefore a spiritual force. Animals also have vocal cords, but they can only make sounds, not coherent speech sentences. The ability to use vocal cords to form speech is purely a human trait because it requires a spiritually energizing force called the soul. And it's through the power of speech that our beliefs get formed. I'll get a bit vulnerable for a moment here in sharing a story that happened to me when I was a little girl. I had a crush on a boy named Tommy. I was eight years old. And one day during recess, I spot Tommy approaching me in the corner, in the corner of my eyes. And I'm convinced that Tommy's going to tap me on my shoulder and say, Ayelet, I like you too. So Tommy does approach me. Tommy does tap me on my shoulder. And Tommy says, Ayelet, I don't like you. Not even a little bit. Get that through your thick head. What do you think I did in that moment? Well, I'll tell you what I did first. Because I am Sephardi and I have sassy blood, right? I looked at him and I was like, well, lucky for you, I don't like you either. So we're on the same page. (laughs) But what do you think I actually did? I grabbed my best friend. I dragged her to the bathroom. And when no one else was looking, I cried and I cried and I cried. And what do you think the stories I told myself about myself were in that moment? I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty. I'm not worthy of love. No one will ever like me. What's wrong with me? I'm stupid. You name it. But my identity about myself is not the only thing that got programmed in that moment. I also programmed in my psyche a cognition, a perception That was more general, broader, about all male species. They could not be trusted. They do not mean well. They want one thing and one thing only, and they all stink. Now, that experience, that story that I told myself, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy of love, is what caused me to build walls, to put up walls, right? Because there's a part of me that got formed that day called shame. I was so humiliated, so embarrassed, and so ashamed that I threw shame and vulnerability into a basement called exile, never to see the light of day again. And now because we are multifaceted beings, we are not just one part, one thing all the time, right? Another part of me got created that day. And that part we call tough girl. And tough girl was the part of me that I showed the world. She was the part that was protecting vulnerability from ever being hurt and humiliated ever again. So tough girl 
tells vulnerability, stay in exile, stay in the basement. Because if you come out, you run the risk of being hurt again. And no way am I going to let you go back to that eight-year-old pain that you experienced with Tommy. It's just too much to handle. And that's how our response to a traumatic event takes place, whether it's trauma with a big capital T or trauma with a little lowercase t. We've all experienced it. It's why we're here. It's actually a blessing in disguise because there is a divine lesson in every painful experience. It's a fact. My most painful experiences, my most traumatic events in childhood, all of the negative stories I've told myself Because I came to it as an adult from a place of awareness and a desire to transform, those stories have become my warrior wounds. They are what allow me to do the work in the world that I feel called to do. We all have our version of my Tommy story. It's that moment that we begin to see the world through the eyes of self-doubt, through the eyes of impossibility. Perhaps your first grade teacher called on you in front of your classmates and you got the answer wrong and everybody laughed at you. So a new seed was planted in your subconscious called, oh, I'm stupid or I'm a failure. Or you forgot your lines in your school play and everyone in the audience were all eyes on you and you felt like you let them down. Again, you felt like a failure. And that's where your fear of public speaking came from. And you had no idea that there was a connection. You don't know why you're terrified of speaking in front of an audience, but something must have happened in childhood. Again, doesn't matter if it's a big T trauma or a little T trauma. I had a client come to me because she wanted to become a public speaker, but she was more afraid of public speaking than death. So when we did some investigative work to uncover her blind spots, right? Side note, a blind spot is a belief we carry about ourselves that we don't know where it comes from. And therefore it is running the show and keeping us or blocking us from manifesting our goals. But once we uncovered her blind spot, we realized that her fear was rooted in a school play that she was in when she was five years old. She forgot her lines and froze in front of a full audience. Her parents, brothers, friends, strangers were all eyes on her and nothing came out of her mouth. This created a hidden belief called, I let everyone down. I'm a failure. And it took her to realize that just because she forgot her lines at age five does not mean that she's a failure. And that's what got her to become one of the greatest public speakers I know to date, because she realized that her fear of public speaking is completely based on a story of meaning that she attached to an experience And the story of meaning she created in that moment was a false story. It wasn't true. Just because you forget your lines in a school play, does that mean you're a failure? No. Just because Tommy didn't like me when I was eight years old, does it mean I'm unlovable? No. 
But as children, we don't know how to make these higher level connections, how to see things from a higher perspective, right? These things can happen in so many ways. Perhaps when your younger sibling was born, you no longer received the same type of attention from your primary caregivers. And so a seed got planted that turned into the belief, I'm not important. Now, when we look at these experiences as isolated incidents, we might not view them as a big deal, but they're bigger than you think. See, what happens to the brain when we experience our first traumatic event, regardless of how big or how small, is the belief gets locked into our subconscious minds. And every time we experience something that activates or reaffirms that belief, the belief just gets stronger and it validates our perception of ourselves and the world. In order to tap into the possibility of who you are and of what can be available to you as an adult today, living from your highest self, you must first and foremost relearn some of the beliefs you borrowed from the people in your childhood. And why is this important? Because your beliefs, which are made up of stories, which are made up of thoughts, become your reality. And we must understand that most of our limiting beliefs are simply not true. They're not based in fact. So the first foundational rule of manifestation, of the ability to think big and break all limitation, is that if you think negatively, your life will show up with negative experiences. If you're trying to manifest your soulmate, let's say, but you don't think you're deserving of love, it'll be much more challenging to manifest him. But thank God there's also a flip side to the same coin. And we learned this from the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe who coined the phrase in Yiddish, Zeint gut tracht gut. If you think good, it will be good. And this is not just feel good affirmation fluff. It is 100% true. If you think good, it will be good. Start working on micromanaging the types of thoughts you're thinking because I'm with you. It's not always so easy to just think positively all the time. All that positive psychology, it sounds nice, but easier said than done. The mind has been conditioned to do the opposite. In fact, the average person thinks between 50,000 and 80,000 thoughts per day. That's up to 48 thoughts per minute, which is almost one thought per second. If that number is not mind-blowing, then I'll add this kicker in. 80% of all this thinking we're doing tends to be negative. And 95% of our thoughts are on repeat. Over and over and over, the negative wheel just keeps turning, turning, turning. How can we possibly manifest a life that we love with all this negative thinking going on? Especially if a premise of manifesting and thinking big is where your thoughts go, energy flows. Where your thoughts go, energy flows. You are sending energy in the direction of your thoughts. It's inevitable. 
It's inevitable that if you're thinking positively, positive people will come into your life, positive situations. Now that we know the power of speech and its ability to turn thoughts into reality, we can understand why positive psychology is big into positive affirmations. In fact, this idea precedes psychology and is brought down by our Jewish sages who teach us that when we enunciate words, we bring them to life. There is magic in speech. So the simplest place to start in order to rewire your brain for positive thinking is to actually recite affirmations out loud. So instead of claiming, I'm not worthy of love, I would say, I am worthy of love right now. This very minute, love finds me. And if you actually don't believe you are worthy of love right now, you can start by telling yourself this. I would like to believe that I am worthy of love right now. Cognitive neuroscience has shown us that as adults, our subconscious minds are made up of neural pathways. These neural pathways get formed as a result of our beliefs, our thoughts, and habits. For example, the four-year-old who was called dumb will thicken and strengthen an actual pathway of neurons in his or her brain each and every time she has an experience that validates the belief that she is dumb. And the thicker the pathway becomes as a result of continuously affirming that belief, the more tangible the manifestation in your physical world will become. Hence, this adult will find herself in situations more often than not that reinforce this belief. I'll give you an example. Take Lisa, who suffers from physical chronic pain and continues to day after day Think the thoughts and speak the words, my body is hurt and therefore I can't exercise. Or my body hurts and therefore I'm exhausted or my body hurts so I can't function like a normal person. What Lisa is doing is strengthening that belief and as a result, manifesting more of what she does not want for herself, more physical pain. In order to break the vicious cycle, we must recognize the voices of criticism and self-sabotage that try to convince us that we are not enough. Most of us, most of all, in order to begin to change your reality, you must have the faith that God, source, infinite, can undo any, and I mean any circumstance. The moment you think that something is not possible for you is the moment you manifest the impossibility of that very thing you want happening. But when you realize that it's about your perception, then your entire reality begins to transform. In fact, when you look, visualize the word impossible, see the letters in your mind, what do you see? You can, cheat, you can choose to see the word impossible written out, or you can see that when you break up the word, it actually writes, I'm possible. I'm a living, breathing possibility. I am possibility. Once you've accepted this foundational rule that you can relearn, undo, and change your circumstances, you've already opened a magical door to a whole new world of miracles. 
Change your story, change your life. Change your life and you start manifesting a world beyond your wildest dreams. If you enjoyed this episode and would like more manifestation inspiration, tune in every Monday for a new episode. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out on an episode. What you get out of this show means the world to me. So I invite you to leave an honest review. And if you want more, you can follow me on social media at Ayelet Polonsky. And if you want to learn how to manifest a life you love, head on over to ayeletpolonsky.com to check out the courses that I offer. See you next week. And as always, think big and happy manifesting.